You're listening to Off the Clock Sports. Off the Clock Sports. The weekly show where you'll hear the best insights on all the latest in sports. Here's your host, Brandon Cook. Brandon Cook. Alrighty, welcome into episode number 74 of Off the Clock Sports. Brandon Cook and Troy Almeida with you today. Troy, how's it going? How's fatherhood treating you, brother? Fatherhood's good. I'm sleeping a lot more than I thought I would be at this stage, so I'm happy about that. But uh, it's pretty cool so far. I can't complain. Yeah, Troy became a father May 9th, one day before Mother's Day and one day before my birthday. His son missed my birthday by an hour and 22 minutes. I was very, very disappointed that he couldn't wait an hour and 22 minutes. How inconsiderate of him. I'm just kidding, obviously. Glad to, hear the babies. Yeah, glad to hear the baby and mother are healthy. And today we are going to talk about the Last Dance documentary by Netflix and ESPN, which was a phenomenal one through 10 episode documentary. The Last Dance, Troy. Um, Netflix Last and ESPN. Dance. First off, Netflix and ESPN did a phenomenal job with this documentary. It was kind of cool to see. You hear a lot about Michael Jordan, you know, Phil Jackson, the the 90s Bulls, and, you know, the maybe the greatest team ever assembled in sports even to today. And it was really cool because us fans, we kind of see, like, you know, the 72 wins. We see the six titles. And, you know, we don't really get to see the behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, we don't get to see, you know, how Dennis Rodman really is as a person, how Scottie Pippen is, you know, what yeah. kind of teammate was Michael Jordan? How did Phil Jackson coach? And, you know, what went behind the decision-makings, you know, with Jerry Krause in the front office? And so I thought this was a really cool documentary to kind of go mm-hmm. behind the scenes, to kind of see, you know, how the day-to-day operation went, what it took to be great, you know, the determination to be that good, and, you know, kind of in, you know, kind of took us into, into some personal lives too, you know, with Steve Kerr, with Dennis Rodman, with the other teammates as well. And I just thought like, you know, episodes one through 10, you just wanted to sit there and see what happened next, you know, what certain guys went through. And I just got to shout out ESPN and Netflix. Like I said, just, I thought all 10 episodes were fantastic. I thought it was very well done. Credit mm-hmm. to the people who put it together and, I learned stuff that I thought I knew already, but then you you hear about things that happen and yeah. you hear about like, you know, maybe at times Michael Jordan wasn't the best teammate. We thought he was like gold standard. Everyone wants to be like Mike. And then some people took from the documentary, well, maybe I don't want to be like Mike. You know, he was kind of an asshole. He was kind of a prick, but then other people might say, well, that's what kind of made his teammates better. And it was just kind of neat to see, you know, that even though you're so good at something, even though they won six titles in a span of eight years, you know, things weren't always great. There was some ups and downs along the way. And it was kind of cool to learn about a lot of stuff that I didn't know. And I'm very appreciative during this pandemic that this uh, documentary was released and I got to kind of go behind the scenes of Michael Jordan and the 1990s Chicago Bulls. Just very well documented. What did you take away from that documentary? Yeah, you basically covered most of it. I took it uh, just the just seeing what they're like off the court. That's what I, you know, any documentary, that's my biggest thing is what you see on TV, whether it's basketball, professional wrestling, hockey, whatever. And then when you see them, you know, outside of their environment, what they do on their daily, you know, in their daily lives, what they eat, you know, what their routine is in the morning, just seeing, it's just interesting to me, like different athletes do different things. And, you know, I just... 
it was just funny watching Michael Jordan show up to practice, you know, in a different car or whatever, having a nice cigar, just kind of lounging in, and, you know, knowing he's the best player in the world. And he definitely showed it with his swag and the way he talked and his whole attitude to win. And, you know, everyone knew when Michael was in the building. And that was, to me, was just so crazy because I knew, like, we grew up and we didn't get to see Michael play in his prime. But we knew who he was. We knew how good he was. But this documentary showed the other side of him and then, of course, showing how good he was at basketball. But I, it was just incredible to see, you know, excluding Rodman and Pippen and Kerr, um, with Michael, like, his presence in the building, what it did, and, like, how all eyes were on him 24 hours of the day. The guy couldn't go to a store and go grab a sandwich without a whole media being there. You know, it, it, it was totally different in the 90s because it, you didn't see that with Pippen and – those guys as much as Michael Jordan. It was just like the second coming of God or something like that. It was incredible. And I didn't realize yeah. it was that bad. No, it's uh yeah, well obviously with the the story about his father and you know what mm -hmm. he went through with that, retiring in the mid nineties after winning three titles, coming back and winning another three more. Um, you know, you really what this documentary showed me is I don't know if you've heard the phrase, but when you're describing somebody so good at what they do and you call them the Michael Jordan of what they're doing. Like, you know, you got the Michael Jordan of presidents or, you know, the Michael Jordan of, you know, HVAC technicians or the Michael Jordan of soccer players or yeah. whatever it might be. This documentary kind of even took that further and showed me why we, why we say that and why we talk about the Michael Jordan of when you're calling yeah. somebody or describing somebody so great at what they do. It's, you know, like Tom Brady, the Michael Jordan maybe of football, or Wayne Gretzky, the Michael Jordan of hockey, or, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo or Leo Messi, like the Michael Jordan of soccer maybe. It kind of took me into detail why we do that because Michael Jordan is the gold standard of somebody so good at what they do. You know, he, yeah. he went through so much but was still so great at what he did. And, you know, mm -hmm. eventually getting getting by Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons, you know, Carl Malone and the Jazz in the finals, um, you know, just how many great teams he had to beat and how many losses they suffered along the way. But no matter who knocked them down, they continued to get back up, continued yep. to fight, continued to practice, continued to get better, and to go 6-0 and in the finals. I don't think there's a question about who the greatest athlete of all time is in sports. I think it's Michael Jordan, and I think this documentary took us into more detail and showed us a lot more about why that is because he would lose to the Pistons, and he would be pissed, and he took that personally. Like, he had a killer mentality inside of him, Absolutely. and he took those losses to the Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons personally, so personal that he did not want Isaiah Thomas on the 92 Dream Team, and then Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the Dream Team, even though he said, he goes, I fit the criteria, but I wasn't selected, and – it just kind of showed like, you know, Michael Jordan was in control. He was the man. And no matter how many times somebody put him on his ass, he continued to get back up. He continued to practice. He continued to fight. And he won six NBA championships because of that mentality. And some people say if he continued with it, like Terry Francona, one of the best managers in baseball today, said if he had continued with baseball, he probably would have gotten a shot in the major leagues. That's how determined he was to make it before he decided mm -hmm. to go back to the Bulls in 96. Michael Jordan is one guy in this world that no matter what he chose to do, no matter if he was choosing to play basketball or baseball, or he wanted to be an electrician, I think he could have been great at anything he did because he was so naturally gifted 
and his determination to be great at anything he was doing just separates him from everyone else in this world. And that's yep. why we talk about the Michael Jordan of is because yep. Michael Jordan earned that respect and Michael Jordan showed that every day. And this documentary just took it even a step further as to why we say the Michael Jordan of whatever somebody is doing and measure somebody really great at something they're doing to Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Well, he like in the documentary, you know, he grew up in a very, you know, confined area in the sense that, you know, there wasn't, you know, they didn't have all these TV channels and they didn't have the luxury of all the stuff, of course, that he has now, obviously. But, you know, he didn't grow up watching all these superstars before him on a nightly basis. He'd catch the odd game if he could. And, you know, he had to work for everything that he has done in his life. Nothing was uh-huh. handed to him. Absolutely. And his dad was there at every step of the way. And I didn't realize that the bond that his dad and him actually had till the documentary. Um yeah being there for his first championship being right there when he was at his worst at his best when he was hurt uh and you know it was pretty incredible seeing that michael you know is human you know it's crazy to say to say that but you know michael is human oh absolutely and the fact that he's had to work that hard you know like i didn't know he got cut from his high school basketball team like you would if you look at that now and be like how is that possible well it, it happened the wasn't even the first overall pick in the draft <laughs> there you go and look what ended up happening so you know him with his work mentality his vision to to win and he'd do whatever it takes to win and i didn't realize he was kind of you know being a dick at some points to be bluntly honest with you oh, like God, yeah. you know with with his own teammates like you know just kind of bullying them to be a, to a point but at the same time, you know, it was all out of love and it was all out of because he cared. If, you know, if he didn't think his teammates could perform the way he thinks they could perform, I think Michael would just, you know, whatever. He wouldn't even bother with them. But he pushed and pushed and pushed. And because Michael knew at the end of the day, he was going to take that final shot. He was going to take the buzzer beater. He was going to oh, have yes. the ball in his hands the last 20 seconds of the game to tie it or for the win. He knew that. But it was all the points leading up to that. He knew that he needed help. Mike, basketball can be a very one-team game. Look at LeBron James. Every team he's gone to, he destroys the league and he he runs the league, right? Mm-hmm. So Michael was the same guy, and he knew that. Let's be honest. He he wasn't like you know I don't like being called the goat. He knows he knows he's the best player that ever did it in the nineties oh, or yeah. potentially of all time. He know he knows that. So <clears throat> he got that mentality. Pushes everybody. Pushes Scottie Pippen. And, you know, when they picked up, I feel to me with the documentary, because they did their first three-peat in the early 90s after the Pistons. I didn't realize the Pistons, you know, were that physical, that strong, and that good. Like, you know, I'm not a basketball guy, but I learned a lot from that, this part of the documentary. And I find when everything kind of turned for Michael, when he did lose to the Pistons, and he said, okay, okay. And, you know, and then he comes back, goes on his Mm three-peat, and... It's interesting to hear even Dennis Rodman's point of view, you know, like, you know, Michael would talk about this and, and say, this bothered me. And like you mentioned in the 92 dream team, it was just like, you know, Michael took it that personally where there's no reason Isaiah Thomas couldn't have maybe potentially maybe not have started or whatever, but he was a good, damn good player to be on that team. He was good enough and, to play, <laughs> you know, and it's like LeBron now, like he's on the Lakers but everything runs through LeBron James. I know he's not the general manager, but if the Lakers are going to pick up a guy and LeBron doesn't agree with it, they're probably not going to go pick up that player. And the fact that Michael had that in the Olympics on the Olympics is, is, is pretty crazy because, yep. you know, 
his presence, his his name. Because at 92, we only, only had two championships at that time, two MVPs in the final. You know, mm-hmm. he's already made a name for himself. Everybody knew this guy was just going to take off and, you know, be who he was. Um, and so I just – the biggest thing I took from that documentary was just how he was on the court, how he treated people, and just his determination to win. I've never seen anyone that took a loss so personal or losing so personal, even like a regular season game, they would show him being pissed off and they're up and it's not even close. They've already had like 50 wins and you can see him getting off the court kind of pissed off. It's like, you guys clutched a playoff spot at the start of the season. You know, one game's not a big deal, but to Michael, it was a big deal. So to me, that was a big, big thing. And it's, it's just really opened your eyes to, you know, what today's athletes, especially us growing up, if we saw this documentary, it probably would have changed our perspective. But it was just that determination to win and the hard work he's had to put in and did whatever it took. And look what happened. Finished with six rings, six MVPs, and potentially the GOAT. <laughs> wow. I, I think he is the GOAT. And I think it put to bed any – I mean, I, I love LeBron, and I think LeBron's a great player. I would put him on, on number two on my all-time greatest players list. Like, I go Larry Bird. I go Kareem, I go Magic, then I would go LeBron and Michael Jordan on top at the GOAT. Those would probably be my top five. And, mm-hmm. I mean, just I mean, it was just insane, like, how good he was. And no matter how beaten down he was, whether, you know, it was yeah. the Pistons or, you know, he the, the unfortunate passing of his father, he always just found a way to get back on his feet and always found a way to be great again and always found a way to be the best. And I just thought it was just insane, like, you know, anyone who – maybe questioned is, is, is Michael Jordan the greatest basketball player of all time? No, it's not just about being the greatest basketball player of all time. Yes, he is. It's about being the greatest athlete to ever step yeah. foot on a playing surface. Like he is the gold standard of athletes and what every athlete should be chasing. Like Tom Brady should not be chasing Joe Montana. Sidney Crosby should not be chasing Wayne Gretzky. They should all be chasing Michael Jordan to try and get up to his level and to his standard. And I think that is, he set the bar for athletes. Every athlete, like there's a movie like Mike, every athlete should want to be like Michael Jordan, whether you're playing basketball or not. And I think a lot of people should share that opinion because he is the gold standard of somebody so good at what they do. I want to talk about Jerry Krause for a minute. Um, Obviously the general manager who was a, I I feel like he was made to be a villain in this, um, in this documentary. He was kind of made to be the bad guy. And Obviously, he was the general manager of the Chicago Bulls from 1985 till I believe 2003. Um, and it's unfortunate because Jerry Krause probably has his side of the story. And unfortunately, he's not alive today to tell his side of the story. So he's going to get beaten down and beaten down. And he's not going to be able to defend himself. So obviously, there's two sides to a story. Obviously, he probably had his reasons as to why he broke up the Chicago Bulls, why he decided to move on from Phil Jackson after the sixth championship and not renew his contract. He even told Phil, you can go 82-0, you're not coming back next season. And it's a lot of people are going to criticize him for that. I don't necessarily agree with that. I would have rode rode the success until the wheels fell off the bus. But he decided not to. He decided to rebuild, and that was his decision. Uh, I don't have to agree with it. He made the decision. Ownership backed him up. But Mm -hmm. he's been made to be the villain in this documentary. A lot of people have been very critical of Jerry Krause. And like I said, it's easy to do today when he's not able to defend himself. But I think people are losing sight of what he actually meant to that organization and how great of a general manager. Scottie Pippen even said it. He goes, I've probably played for the best general manager in basketball history. 
And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people lost sight of that because of the decision in 98 to break up the team, you know, to have Phil Jackson leave, knowing that Michael Jordan was not going to come back unless Phil Jackson was his coach. You know, letting Scottie Pippen leave, trading Steve Kerr to San Antonio, releasing Dennis Rodman after you just won six titles. I would say basically in a row because you won six in a row with Michael. I mean, he took two years off to play baseball, and that's why he didn't win the two in between. Otherwise, they might have swept the 90s. Who knows? But, yeah, I mean, let's not lose sight of what Jerry Krause did. You know, bringing in Scottie Pippen, bringing in Dennis Rodman, making the coaching change to go to Phil Jackson, taking yeah. that, making the depth moves that that team needed in the 90s to be as great as they were, to get over the Pistons, to beat the Jazz, you know, all these things, to beat Magic Johnson and the Lakers in the final, which was obviously not an easy task for them to do, to elevate that team to be able to be the dynasty that they become. It's easy to rip on him now seeing the documentary, and some people might sit there and not understand, like, why after winning six titles in eight years would you break up the band if it ain't uh, broke, don't fix it? He obviously saw something we didn't. Him and Phil Jackson obviously had a relationship that was kind of going south that neither mm-hmm. of them maybe wanted to continue with. And Michael Jordan could have made the decision to come back and play for another head coach. Michael Jordan decided he was not going to play for the Chicago Bulls. If Phil Jackson wasn't the head coach, he ultimately retires for a second time, later coming out of retirement to play for the Wizards. He could have stayed. Scottie Pippen yeah. probably could have stayed if they wanted to. Mind you, they, the owner sounded like he didn't really want to pay Scottie Pippen what he was going to make on the free agent market. But Michael mm-hmm. Jordan chose to leave. Phil Jackson and him, Phil Jackson was offered to stay by ownership, and he said that that is not fair to Jerry Krause. So, I mean, they decided they didn't want to continue with the relationship. Michael Jordan decided he didn't want to play. I think people are losing sight of what Jerry Krause actually did. He was the general manager for, a, for an NBA team that won six titles in eight years. And I think a lot of people are losing sight of that because of the decision to break the team up in 98. But, I mean, I think everyone's losing sight of what he did the 13 years prior before the band broke up. He did a lot. He brought in Scottie Pippen. He brought in Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, and a whole bunch of other players. And they were able to be that great. And he ultimately made the decision to, to hire Phil Jackson, which was obviously the right button he needed to push to get that team over the hump. I think Jerry Krause is probably the best general manager the NBA has ever seen. I just think it's unfortunate that people are losing sight of that because of 98. Yeah, I agree with you because 98, you got to think too, Michael Jordan, he took off after retirement, right? He made the decision that he wanted to go play baseball. If he never retired and to go play baseball, he would, have, he would have already had seven because he was retired, what, 18 Nine, months or something? 94, 95 for 18 months, I think. 18 months. So that 94 season, you know, chances are pretty good they would have won it again, right? And they would have oh, yeah. uh, four-peated. Four and then that would have led into uh, the other three-peat. So the potential they could have had seven in a row. And if he never retired for a second time, if this team kept together, you know, to be honest with you, they probably would have swept the 90s, right through the 90s, right to 2000. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is disgusting to think about, but it's true. Uh, but, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, Jerry Krause, there was something, obviously, that he saw that nobody else saw. Maybe, and it, it, it's really hard to think of it now because you think, why would you destroy something that was, you know, 
don't fix what's not broken. Right. And it was, it was working just fine. And it's it, it, the thing that to me that bothers me the most is why at the start of the 98 season, did Jerry Krause tell everybody Phil Jackson's not coming back no matter what he does this year. Why yeah. say that at the start? I don't understand why at the start of that, you would have brought that up before the season started. Now they ended up winning. Okay. It, it worked out, but you know, you know, eight times out of 10, that's not going to work. The whole season is just going to be the players are know that this is the end. It's, it is what it is. A lot of media attention. Yeah. Like they, you yeah. know, especially because they thought, okay, well, Phil Jackson's leaving. Michael Jordan has already said on numerous occasions, he wasn't going to be playing for anybody else. He's already come out and said he, his future's not, you know, it's not concrete. Scotty Pippen wanted a pile of money in free agency, which he damn deserved. He was, you know, they wouldn't have these six championships without Scotty Pippen. Michael Jordan, you know, it was, it's, it's Shaq and Kobe. Same kind of comparison. Perfect Batman and Robin. Perfect together. They were perfect together. I'm not saying Michael wouldn't have won any championships. I'm saying he probably wouldn't have won six and had three, three or two, three peats. He probably wouldn't have had that. But, so in 98, when uh, that was the part to me that just stood out, was kind of like, okay, why at the start of 98 would you go out and tell everybody, you know, this is it. This is the last run. Michael already, Michael knew in his head, right when he heard that, he said, well, at the end of the year, when we win, that's probably what he thought, when we win, I'm walking away. Scotty Pippen left. He went to free agency. He left. And then everything was destroyed. It was never the same again. The Bulls have basically sucked ever since. But, uh, I just, to me, that's what I took out of that part of it. But yeah, you're right. You got to think like Jerry Krause, look what the team he built. You know, they brought that city six championships in the nineties. That's incredible. You know, six championships. Like we haven't seen a thing like that really since the Lakers when they won five and it was, it was kind of scattered throughout the two thousands. The last one in what, 2010, 2011 or something like that. Yes. I can't remember the year exactly, but I think it was 2010. They won their fifth. Yeah. So they dominated the early two thousands and then they finally topped it off with their fifth so it was that's the kind of the equivalence but have we seen and then the golden state warriors but they won three mm-hmm. bulls won six you know yeah. double that so you know they had a hell of a run and jerry Krause definitely deserves the more credit than he deserved i think on that documentary i think you're right i think they made him to be out to be the bad guy in that whole thing but look at the good things that he did it wasn't all bad but it's a lot easier to criticize than to compliment somebody right Oh, absolutely it is. And I just – it's really sad because it's easy right now because, like I said, he passed away in 2017. So it's really easy to beat him now when he's not around to defend himself. And it's really unfortunate. But I just think people are losing sight of what he actually did for that Chicago Bulls team and how much he yeah. meant to that organization. And if anyone was going to rebuild it again when the dynasty was over, it was probably going to be him. Like, look, they haven't won a title since. Last time they won was 1998. They've been – in the playoffs since they've had okay teams, you know, with Derek Rose and Jimmy Butler, but they've never elevated to the success that Michael Jordan had and never will probably get close again. Never were able to get to a championship. And mm-hmm. I mean, Phil Jackson, just, I mean, just an insane decision though, by Jerry Krause, I will say to not renew Phil Jackson, you got the greatest coach probably of all time in NBA history yeah, in your organization. But I mean, from Jerry Krause's perspective, he brought Phil Jackson in to coach that team. He brought Phil on in, what was it, 1989 or 1990 to take over and coach that team, ultimately winning six titles. But it's got to be hard for you as a general manager 
to watch your head coach be that successful, even though you're winning rings and you're building your resume still because you put it all together, that's got to be hard for him to watch Phil Jackson get all that credit and sit in the back and go, well, hey, hang on, wait a minute. I hired Phil Jackson. I made the moves. I put this yeah. team together. It's got to be hard for him in that sense to to sit there and watch that. But at the same time, I don't think anyone really lost sight, especially in the organization, of what Jerry Krause did for that team. And it's just unfortunate that in 1998, you know, I couldn't imagine having a business be really successful where there's piles of money coming in, piles of revenue, and we're doing so well. And then just all of a sudden one day in – after you know hitting all-time highs that we've never seen before we just locked the door and lay off all the employees and i mean yeah. that's kind of what the 1998 chicago bulls did michael retired scotty left you know dennis rodman was released steve kerr was traded and phil jackson ultimately you know left and went to the lakers and where he won four more titles and yeah. you know he won two as a player and it or one or two as a player and it was just insane that that's how it ended. It was just like, you know, they won the title, they hoisted the trophy, they did the parade, and then boom, the lights went out. But mm -hmm. I don't want to lose sight, like I said, of how great Jerry Krause was. And maybe he's the best general manager in NBA history. And I just feel, I feel bad that he's been made to look like a villain. I don't agree with every decision he's made. I don't agree with every decision Bill Belichick's made. I don't yeah. agree with every decision Scotty Bowman's made. But you know what? They've made enough decisions where they're all so great at what they do that you just kind of trust it. And yeah. that's kind of what I was with Jerry Krause. I thought he deserved that respect as well. Yeah, no, he definitely deserves that respect because he, like we said, he saw something that nobody else didn't. We don't know, like the documentary, it shows only so much, right? Like they're not mm -hmm. going to, they're not going to film these private um, interviews and talks in Jerry Krause's office or in Phil Jackson's office. There's probably, there's probably a lot that they left out, but that's every documentary. Not everything oh, yeah. is going to be covered. That's impossible. So there's something that was going on, something, you know, there was an elephant in the room somewhere, something didn't add up. They chose to let Phil go. When that decision came out, everybody knew the, what was happening at the end of 98. It's just crazy if you look at the 98 Bulls and you look at the 99 Bulls, it was just like, what happened? Like, as a fan, you're sitting there like, where did everybody go? Like, everyone's gone. And to watch a dynasty be that dominant, because let's be honest, that's probably one of the best dynasties, if not the best dynasty you ever saw, because it was all consecutive. It was all basically right in a row except for one year when, he, when Michael left. It was just yeah. bang, 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 they, championship. They essentially then, won six titles in a row with Michael Jordan. Essentially pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And it was, you know, in the, modern, in, this, in the modern day, that's unheard of. You just don't see that. You know, back-to-back -back championships are rare, but you see them. But to see two three-peats with the same guys – and the 90s wasn't a walk in the park either. Like, there was a pile of good players that Michael had to go up against. And it was – it was he was a head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, sure. But, you know, Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing, and then he had to play Magic Johnson. He had to play against Larry Bird. If you hear these names, you're just like, oh, oh yeah. Isaiah Thomas. He had, oh. He had to play the other all-time greats. Then he had to play, you know, Dennis Rodman when he played – in Detroit the first two times. And yep. that's another, another player. Like we joked around about it the other day, but I didn't realize Dennis Rodman was that good. I thought to me, like before this documentary, I knew who he was. I knew he won five championships and, you know, he looked all weird with his piercings and whatever. So I thought he got more media attention basically because of what he looked like, what he was doing off the court, which we'll get to. I didn't realize he was doing all that shit, especially in the middle of the, like 
the playoffs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just taking off. Yeah, I gotta go to Vegas. I need a couple <laughs> days. Whatever. I gotta go tag but, team uh, with Hulk Hogan. And yeah, when we're, in the, when we're in the finals, let's just get so, practice and go tag team with Hulk Hogan in the NWO. You know what I mean? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. in today's in today's sports world, you can't do oh, that. You, like it doesn't matter. Traded. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know what you're going through. Like if you lose somebody and you need some grievance time, okay, they're obviously going to give it to you. But if they find out you're in Vegas partying it up, like it's not going to fly. But I, but I think I think the exception was at that time is because you know Dennis Rodman was literally that good. Like he ha- was all, arguably based on the on the documentary and the research I've done, he's the best rebounder that's ever lived. Like almost twelve thousand rebounds, and he didn't have a long career in the NBA, really. Yeah. Like I don't even think it exceeded twenty years. He yeah. wasn't there that long, so when he was there, it was just like he just dominated you, and he just made you look like a fool. And then you look at him and you're like, this guy's a basketball player. Like, look at this guy. He's got different color hair every day. And yeah, you know, we just, you know, he, you could judge him for a lot of different things, but that guy backed it up on the court and he was a huge part of those two, three peaks. Absolutely. But, was. And, you know, to this day now that I've, I've, you know, he's like almost 60 some years old. He basically looks the same. He hasn't really changed. Um, I watched his hall of fame speech a couple of days ago and, you know, I haven't ever seen it before. You know, he could barely talk. He was really emotional because that guy came from nothing as well. He came from absolutely nothing. He was homeless at one point. Then he said, oh, I'm going to go yeah. try basketball, see what, what happens. And then, you know, turns into this, the superstar. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, like during, I don't know, it was the 98 finals. He's, yeah, he's tag teaming with Hulk Hogan, like the night before a big game. It's like, yeah. What? What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah, literally. But, but I think the exception is he was Dennis Rodman and he was so, and Phil Jackson knew that he was as good as he was. And it's like, okay, if this is what he needs to do so that he can show up tomorrow and perform the way we need him to perform. All right. Cause I found in the documentary that Phil Jackson was a pretty laid back, easygoing guy. He didn't really he, seem to, you know, yeah. he wasn't, he was, I'm sure he was strict in his ways, but he wasn't, you know, you gotta be here at this time do this, do this, do this. It's kind of like, all right, guys, we have to do this. You know what I mean? I don't, it's not yep. quite that easy, Dancy, but you know what I'm saying? Like, No, he, he, was, a hard, he was a hard ass and got the best of his players, but he definitely had a, a, a reasonable side to him. Yeah, because I, I yep. think he was such a reasonable guy, and I think that's why people loved playing for him. It's just because he was very easy, easy going, but he knew when it was time to be serious, it was time to be serious. Yep. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's what I took out of Phil Jackson. I'd, like, he, I'd probably love to play for the guy because he knows what he's talking about and he'd probably be fun to play for. And hearing Michael Jordan say, I will only play for Phil Jackson. Because Michael mm-hmm. at that point, after in his career, like in the documentary, he said that even to this day, he's like, I only wanted to play for him. He's had three or four coaches since then. And he still says Phil Jackson's the best one he ever played for. So it's kind of like, well, all right, well must have been doing something right and that, as far as i know the lakers like kobe and stuff i've seen everyone loved phil jackson and then i guess when phil went to the went to the knicks went and coached the knicks after that and it didn't really work out so well yeah when he was the president it didn't go too well yeah but you know he's at the end of his career he probably didn't he's just whatever i've already done everything there, there were do. reports he only took that job for the money he didn't really probably. didn't really care about what happened yeah, and that's true. And Phil's never been part of a rebuild, right? He just walked in. He didn't walk into two dynasties, and he didn't show up and do anything. He had to do something. But look at the teams he coached, the 2000 Lakers and the mm-hmm. 90s Bulls. 
Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, bad. like just push the right buttons, got the best out of his players. And I mean, yeah. probably the best coach in NBA history. I'd be pretty hard to make a case against it. Like, you know, you got your Greg Popovich's or your Pat Riley's or, you know, there's many more to name, you know, coach K, but like in basketball, but you know, Phil Jackson is just kind of the one, like he's like basketball, Scotty Bowman or, or, you mm-hmm. know, basketball's Bill Belichick or, you know, he would be, as we said earlier, the Michael Jordan of coaches in the NBA. And he, I mean, he just, he was the right guy to push that bulls team kind of, kind of like Steve Kerr was for the golden state warriors when they went on to win three titles in five years, he was kind of the right coach that came in to coach the players that were on the roster to push them to the next level, to get them over the hump. And it, and it showed to work out because they won the six titles in eight years. And, but like I said, man, phenomenal documentary, um, you know, gave us something to watch during the pandemic when everyone's trying to stay inside and isolate yep. kind of took us behind the scenes of, of the greatness of Michael Jordan and the nineties bulls, the greatest team probably ever assembled in sports in my opinion. And I mean, it was just really cool to see kind of, you know, even though they were so good and even though they were on top doing so well, there were bumps and bruises along the road and there was a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, some guys didn't like the way Michael Jordan pushed them. You know, some guys thought, you know, Dennis Rodman was a bad teammate and didn't have basketball as a priority or whatever the case may be. And I mean, some people maybe thought Scottie Pippen wasn't tough enough in certain situations. Well, they had ups and downs and it proved to work out for them because they won six titles or the great Michael Jordan's the greatest player ever. Phil Jackson's the best coach in NBA history and they won six titles and there's no disputing that. So, but awesome documentary loved every second of it. And hopefully there's another one coming soon because we need more stuff to watch and more stuff to learn about during the pandemic, as long as it's going on. 